0: Cool. Well, as I say, good morning. Um, My topic today and my claim is that if you want intimacy, prayer is the answer. If you want intimacy, prayer is the answer. Yeah. And I want to share with you some experiences that I've had in my prayer journey, and my prayer is that they'll be useful and encouraging to you. Um, Yeah. So, I thought I was a prayer, uh, I developed the habits in my early Christian life of starting and closing the day with prayer, pray during the day if something usual, unusual came up, if there were difficulties or issues or good things to praise and thank God for as well. And I was able to pray for people who were unwell or in difficulty or in a crisis, or if a prayer meeting was called for a particular issue, yeah, I'd be there. Um, I thought I, I was a prayer. But in 2008, I saw a new sense of what was possible, and I've been pressing into that ever since. And it actually came from quite an unlikely source. Um, I was reading a number of books about healing at the time, and I came across this one called The Forgotten Talent, God's Ministry of Healing, by a Presbyterian pastor called J. Cameron Petty. Petty ministered in Glasgow in Scotland for 30 years in the early to mid-1900s, and he did some great work amongst the gangs there in the Depression, Um, but in the 1940s became aware that some of his parishioners were going to mediums for healing services. (laughs) So Petty went along to some of these sessions and was greatly surprised to find that these people actually weren't wacky, but they were genuinely interested um, in helping people if they could so it would appear that there wasn't any of this work happening in Glasgow in the churches and Petty became what he called a flame with jealousy for the honour of the Lord that this was God's work and it should be being done by the church and so he began a journey of, asking, of seeking God for the gift of healing should the Lord want to give it to him And so he set aside an hour a day to focus or to spend exclusively in prayer, meditation and waiting on the Lord. And in addition, he spent a whole lot of other time thoroughly searching the scriptures for every reference he could on healing. What he found was that that one hour quickly became the most important of his day, even though he found that the only time he could do it without interruption was 11 p.m. to midnight. (laughs) He did it for four years with no response and was thinking that he would toss it in there and give it up, but somewhere along the way was impressed to continue for a fifth. And before the end of that year, he had probably what we would call a baptism in the Holy Spirit type experience. He was at the the kitchen sink peeling potatoes and that, and he was filled with this inexpressible joy and happiness, and he, he just felt completely overwhelmed. The electricity threw him, all those things. It was just wonderful. And he thought, there's my answer. However, it didn't take long before some doubts crept in. And so he asked God for a second sign and waited another six months for it. He was praying, and in in his impatience, he said, Oh, God, make my right hand shake uncontrollably. As he watched, he saw his hand grow smaller, become bruised as if it had been hammered, and then a nail driven right to the head, appeared along with the trickle of blood. This vision was his confirmation and and he was away in it. Quite an amazing story, eh? Don't you think? I'd love to be a healer. I've been asking God for it. However, the thing that arrested me about his journey was that hour he set aside um, to be in the presence of God for the ongoing purging of his character as he spent more time in this presence of a pure and holy and cleansing God. So I started to spend some time like that. It wasn't an hour a day. It was a lot more sporadic at that point. But there was a second strand to the importance of prayer for me. Um, And it came about the time that Jeanette and I joined the eldership. Um, And some of you may recall the visit of a Swiss couple, Walter and Katrina Dewar. They were here um, because, as an eldership team, we were wondering if we might have them um, become oversight for the church and re establish our links with the KMI movement. And they spent some days amongst us and, at our final meeting, gave us some observations. One of which was their concern that there didn't seem to be enough prayer backing for the thing for running the church and the various ministries we were wanting to do. At the time, we were seven elders working full time, trying to run a church part time. And we could see that we weren't covering all the bases. So part of the response to that was when I became full-time on the staff in 2013. And part of my job description was to pray. I'd never seen a job description. you look at job description, there it is, pray. Um, but I guess in a sense, you know, whatever our station in life or whatever we are, we actually all, all have in our job description that we should pray, don't we? But, um, but we do. Um, Yeah, so I committed to spending a concentrated, uninterrupted hour of prayer each day, which was set apart from all the other praying or dealing with issues as they are planned and that. So I started that eight years ago. And I have to say, it's been an incredibly rich journey, and has proven to me the scriptures, uh, a lot of the scriptures, particularly Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, or in Hebrews, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The best times by far have been the times when I've been drawn into his presence and had a sense of sitting with him. You know, it's nothing like the intensity that uh, the prophet Isaiah had when he saw the Lord and all that. Um, you know, which, um, but at times it has been a sort of amazing and a bit of a terrifying place um, because Mostly, as, or as I found, it's so clean and it's so pure. You know, in Psalm 5.4 it says, <clears throat> For you're not a God who dwells in wickedness, evil may not dwell in you. And I got a f- fresh sense of just how abhorrent sin is to God. With that came a sense, as also as I did, of realising and knowing that I have been both forgiven and accepted. And that is just so, so cool. The relief and joy of that was fantastic. Um, And another aspect of this is is his holiness. Isaiah 57, 5, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, I am the high and holy God who lives forever, and I live in a high and a holy place. And like it did with Isaiah, it really encourages me to to want to clean up my act and live a holy life as he asks us to do. The scriptures about God's majesty and sovereignty also came alive. You know, you, you look through the Psalms, the fulsome praise by the writers and so many that they it, and you know lots of them, you know, 103. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that he's done. Just, it was wonderful. They, those scriptures come alive. And along with that, a sense of God's infinite wisdom. You realize that you're here, and he is way over there. He is incredibly wise, and he knows what he's doing. He's the potter. We are the clay. He is God. And the reminder also that everything belongs to him. It's his. In Psalm 24 it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Or even perhaps a wee bit more strongly in Job 41.11 when the Lord says, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me, he says. So it just inspires reverence and in worship. You know, songs come alive. You know, you you, know, you do. You know, in there you think, yeah, there is no place I would rather be than here in Your love. Then sings my soul, how great Your love is, worthy of every song of every song we could ever sing, the praise we could bring, the breath we could ever breathe. We live for You. Well, what about even an oldie? You know. As we see you in your splendor, as we gaze upon your majesty, join the host of angels and proclaim together your holiness. And I have to say the times often bring me to tears because you just feel so incredibly moved with gratitude for who God is and for what he has done. You know, you know the, the gratitude that we've been chosen by him, um, planned to live as, as part of his glory. You know, and can it be that I should boast an interest in the Saviour's blood? Why me? I'll probably never know, but, but what a privilege. What a privilege. Um, and excites, it also excites about the prospect of the next life and what it will be forever. You know, do you remember, remember Trevor's sermon, his rope? That had the 10 centimetres of red tape in it, which represents this life, and the other 30 metres, which represent the limitless time in heaven. You know, and you remember his exhortation with that, that those who live most successfully in this life um, are the ones who are focusing on that life as they live in this life. It's just so true. And you realize just what an amazing friend Jesus is. You know, how is it that the sinless Son of God could come from this place to earth to be mistreated at the hands of inf- uh, you know, infinitely inferior beings? Who am I that the highest king should die for me? It's just so cool. Am I conveying that? I think I am. It's sort of, yeah. Yeah. I must go on, as Paul said, you know, yeah. But what also comes with it is actually an appreciation of actually how much we're valued by God. He values us deeply. And I don't know if there's anyone who needs to hear that today. We are so valued by God. We're we're just utterly valuable to him. Um, And I don't know, as Dean was saying, maybe you're in a a painful situation that doesn't make sense at the moment. But he values you and he deeply cares. Yeah. Yeah. And what it does, it reminds me that this is what I want to give my life to. Serving and pleasing an amazing God who deserves my all. You know, what can I do to enhance his plans for the world? And what do I need to do so that he can use my life for his purposes as well? So it also reminds me of the co-worker or the privilege of being a co-worker as we see in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and 10. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it but each one should build with care. And that's for all of us. A big part of co-labouring actually is prayer. And it's uh, for me, it's such a privilege to pray for others when when they entrust things to you, the the things in their lives. And it's also, as a a co-laborer, it's actually a co-thrill, if you like, when you see answers and you see people being released into greater freedom. It also reassures me That God's in control of this world, no matter what the chaos is that's going on. It increases the thought that actually our lives are secure, no matter what the chaos is. Um, And even if the world should turn against us more. Um, In New Zealand, we don't know a whole lot about um, the persecution or that. But um, it it could well come that things are moving that way. But it's just so reassuring to know that our times are in his hands. And in amongst all this, none of the problems have gone away. None. But there's no doubt that he, to me that he's also always attentive to our prayers and that he misses nothing. Yeah. And it just brings a different perspective. It just brings a different view of the world from a different vantage point. Now, I do want to say that this doesn't happen any, every time I pray by any stretch. Lovely if it did. But these are the touches that inspire me to keep going and to push on in prayer, even when it seems like nothing's happening. Um, I call them my marker points, really, a bit like when God told his people to pass on the stories or to celebrate the feast, to remind them of what the Lord had done, to remember his, to remember his goodness in the dry times, to know he's listening and caring when the door to heaven seems shut, to remember that he is faithful, you know. You talk to Radu and Marinella about their journey in God and they will tell you that Radu came to faith first and Marinella wanted nothing to do with it. She was delighted that one of the immediate things the Lord did was clean up his language and speech. Uh, She enjoyed that, but outside of that he didn't. Radu prayed for nine years before he had the joy of welcoming her as a sister in Christ. Yeah. I was speaking to a good Christian friend over the last couple of days who had a really tempestuous relationship with his youngest son, who's now 26, particularly in the teenage years. And the son's really drifted since he left school. Got involved drugs, alcohol, abused living at home. He was in and out of jobs. He got fired from some of them. And he despised his Christian education. When he left for the Netherlands 24 months ago, you could say it was with his father's blessing in some ways. Um, but he and his wife and a number of friends have been praying for um, their son for a number of years. And Paul got a huge shock when out of the blue, his uh, son called to say he just listened to a podcast of a great American uh, preacher and got so much out of it. And he thought his dad might too. <clears throat> um, now, having said that, this was the real McCoy. It wasn't uh, any antagonistic, this advice would be good for you, Dad. Um, And they were astonished when recently he sent some money back and asked to donate it to the church as his tithe. And he rang a few weeks ago to ask them to pray for for an opening to come so he could get back to New Zealand with COVID and all that. And a few days later got in touch to say, thanks for praying. Everything is sorted. Yeah. Similarly for a family we are close to who had a 17 years estrangement with one of their children and the Lord has just restored their relationship in a, in a miraculous way and at a time when the parents, they, just, they couldn't see how how's it going to happen. It didn't. Yeah. George Muller, an Englishman born in 1805 and died in 1898, lived a remarkable life. This included travelling the world as an evangelist from the age of 70 until he was 86. So there's no retirement, you guys. You, there's work to be done. And actually, in his travels, brought him to New Zealand in, eight, in 1887, when he was 84 years old. He's best known, and some of you will know him, for the faith-based orphanages he ran in Bristol, opening five large houses, and he cared in his time for over 10,000 orphans, feeding, housing, and educating him. In fact, the kids did so well, he received some criticism that he was actually lifting them above their station in life. Being faith-based meant that all the provision and the resources to achieve the thing for, the, for, the, for these guys were obtained only by prayer. He never solicited donations from anyone. He only sought God for everything. And they, there were so many remarkable stories of provision. Here's just one of them. That one morning, all the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the larder, no money to buy food. The children were standing, waiting for their morning meal, when Muller said, Children, you know we must be in time for school. Then lifting up his hands, he prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. And there was a knock at the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr Muller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt... Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2am and baked some fresh bread and I brought it. Mr Muller thanked the baker. No sooner had he left, there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage and he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it, move along and repair it. Muller's whole life... Especially the way he sorted the orphans by faith and prayer without any, asking anyone for money, was consciously planned to encourage Christians that God could really be trusted to meet their needs. His passion for God and the orphans was actually second to this principle of prov- proving that God is faithful and providing. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And you may have heard also of his praying for the salvation of five people that he knew. <clears throat> and he says, In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day, whether a single intermission, mission, whether I was sick or healthy, on the land or on the sea, whatever the pressure of my gains, I prayed for them. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of them was converted, then another five years before the second, and another six years before the third. And as he got to the end of his life, he said, well, the other two remain unconverted. And this was the man who, in God and the riches of his grace, had given him daily answers to prayer, the selfsame hour, or in that. And at the end, he said, well, but I hope in God, I pray on and look yet for the answer. They're not converted yet, but they will be. Those two men, sons uh, sons of a friend of Miller's youth, were still unconverted when he died in 1897, having prayed daily for their salvation for 52 years. His prayers were answered, however, when both those men came to faith in Christ a few years after his death. Our God is faithful. These encounters with God and stories of answered prayer give me the impetus to keep persevering in prayer. And I pray with the expectation. Um, and there are situations I'm praying for that I've been praying for for years and I'm going to keep going until... That answered. You know, prayer is a humbling thing. You know, John Piper described it like this. He described prayer as the open admission that without Christ we can do nothing. And prayer is the turning away from ourselves to God in the confidence that he will provide the help we need. Prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. And I just say amen to that. Um, King David said in Psalm 37, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And this is the same David who in Psalm 13, as one of a number of Psalms, which went like this. I just read it to us. It's a short one. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. What encouraged David? God's previous acts of goodness to him. God's assurance that He was trustworthy, and into His old age, He attested that God had never forsaken the righteous. You know, I really hope this encourages you. God wants all of us to have these encounters, as Dean was saying in the, in the moment in spirit. God wants this for all of us. I truly believe that. Um, so I just think, you know find an hour and book it to sit and rest in His presence. And if you've only got five minutes. Um, just spend them dwelling on who he is above almost anything else. And just with that, um, so I've I finished there, but just wanted to say again that the Cleansing Streams course starts this afternoon for three Sundays and a Freedom Day that's set aside essentially for people to come before God to present them for him with the view of, to say, Here I am, Lord. Open to receiving from you, open to being set free from blockages or issues. Some of them I know about, some I may not. But Lord, I'm here giving you permission to speak to me, and I ask for the grace um, for what you may reveal. One of the best ways you can learn how to pray and grow in prayer is by praying with others. You can come and listen, you can grow by the prayers of others and have your faith enriched. So I just invite you, why don't you come next Wednesday evening for an hour of prayer. We pray for the needs of the community, for each other, for this world, uh, for this country, and we worship God. Let us pray. Lord, you have so much more of yourself that you want to give us. So much more of you that you want us to share and enjoy. And Lord, I ask that the joy and knowing and living for you would become even more the inspiration, even the aspiration of our lives to trust you more deeply and to grow in intimacy with you, which truly is the best place that we would rather be. I just thank you in the name of our wonderful Saviour, Jesus. Amen. Um, and just in closing, just I just wanted to speak over, uh, to over you just the words of the blessing song. So, The Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you And be gracious to you The Lord turn his face towards you And give you peace May his favour be upon you And a thousand generations And your family and your children And their children and their children May his presence Go before you, behind you Beside you, all around you And within you He is with you In the morning, in the evening, you're coming, you're going, you're weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. Amen.